0: rcr with paul brennan reality check radio glyphosate you've heard of that before you might have heard in our news that uh, Bayer, who i think took over monsanto who make roundup which has glyphosate in it have just um uh, been had a judgment against them for 1.56 billion dollars after losing a roundup case so that's uh, pretty fresh uh, we've had Jodie Bunning on the program before, sociologist. She looks at government policy and the ways government make policy for authorising technologies in the environment and the use of industry data. And what do they say, Jody? This is right in your wheelhouse, this one, gly- glyphosate. Ab-
1: absolutely, Paul. So I've spent about... Glyphosate was sort of my case study that helped me understand processes by which industry information industry produced science can be privileged over other forms of science and I guess the glyphosate experience is what inspired me to go back to university and and wow. and study sociology. Okay. And So I started off by basically, you know, looking at this. There was a really important time where glyphosate was ramped up, or actually the glyphosate-based herbicides, and we know that as Roundup. And that was when the approvals came through in 2002, 2004, to spray it on all the crops. Mm, mm. So that was, you know. That's
0: here. That's here, right?
1: So mm-hmm. it, was, it started off by the, the genetically modified crops, which, of course, in the US, not here, includes alfalfa, lucerne, corn, canola, um, and and sugar beet, um, soybeans, boi- soy and all those sorts of crops. And, of course, I'm just adding my undergraduate degrees, agribusiness, so I've always been interested in in agriculture um and so then of course there was the dry so they it's they're saying that it will kick the other weeds out and then of course there is the idea that it desiccates or dries down the crop and makes it easier to harvest so then they they got all the approvals for spraying on wheat and all your lentil crops all your hard seed crops um, including, say, flax seeds, for example, that could tolerate it. So then they did all their crop trials and they said, oh, if you spray this, you'll end up having this low level and this low level of glyphosate per kilogram um, body weight per day for the rest of your life is perfectly fine. And it's perfectly fine as long as you prioritise science from Monsanto, Monsanto, Sheminova and Syngenta, which at that time to approve all of those all of the glyphosate herbicides being sprayed on all those cl- crops, they were prioritising that that science from Syngenta. Shema. And that
0: was just to make it e- make it easier. I mean, you know, just yeah. to make it a bit easier. Um, I, okay, so. Um, I mentioned that uh, case that's fresh, but uh, kind of while we're talking, and we'll get on to New Zealand, but kind of the, the trigger point for talking here is that the EU has extended glyphosate's authorization for another 10 years. Is that what has just happened?
1: Yes, that is correct. So on the um, the 16th of November, the, um, the members were meant to vote and France actually stood down. Now, France is the, the member country that has been the most proactive on glyphosate. So that was really interesting. And then they couldn't agree on the 16th of November. So when they, they can't agree, the European Commission can step in and make a decision. And so then the European Commission set in, stepped in, and they said, because they're legally obliged to make this decision before the end of the current glyphosate approval. And that date is the 15th of December, 2023. So the European Commission stepped in and said, we've done all this, you know, amazing research. And, and our FSA, European Food Safety Authority and the European Chemicals Authority agreed that. There's no critical areas of concern that would prevent a renewal of the approval. Never mind that they started with 16,000 studies, whittled them down to 2,000 and then to 780 studies because that's what they do. They get rid of the science that...
0: So they massage out what they don't want to...
1: They they get the science that doesn't fit their specific guidelines. So if guidelines don't include developmental neurotoxicity,
0: well, they won't. Include developmental. Why therapy. wouldn't they include that? It sounds pretty major.
1: I know, right? And so that so we're not seeing immunotoxic, toxic, immunotoxicity being um, considered either. So when we start looking at all the science coming out in the literature about um, about the microbiome, for example, and all the exposures on the microbiome. Glyphosate, for example, is a huge, like it's hugely implicated because I always said that glyphosate didn't didn't harm people, right, didn't harm mammals, mammalian biology. It's fine. But the thing is in our gut there is this massive plant-based pathway called the shikamate pathway. And so, of course, that gets nailed with glyphosate and its formulant um, so remembering that in the formulation are a, a bunch of like petrochemicals and heavy metals. Cadmium is in the in, is in the full formulation. So they've reverse engineered glyphosate-based herbicides um, to to understand that. You know, a group of French scientists did that some years ago now. And that's so that the formulation toxicity is still not included in any of that risk assessment. So they're excluding that. And then, of course, any any farmer, any applicator will add adjuvants to make it sort of stick better on the leaves and all that sort of stuff, safeners and synergists, and they're never ex- included either. You know, so it's no wonder, you know, Paul, that your glyphosate levels in drinking water, which I've said to you before, is um, based on, I think, a 1994 Monsanto study that was never published in the scientific literature.
0: Gosh. Okay. So, um is there any connection between the EU happily extending for ten years? I mean, ten years, is a whole decade, um, yeah. and um, now uh, Monsanto being taken over, or, or that um, that whole thing being taken over by a German company?
1: Um, or does that not really we factor could in? Guess that. They will say no because in the 2019 onward safety assessments, the, the what's called the rapporteur states included France, Hungary, the Netherlands and Sweden. So Germany wasn't there, but, you know.
0: Bayer would be a big player and have a big say in EU politics, surely. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but it's interesting because of course we're Bayer's now seeing all these court cases and we'll talk about the serendipity of timing in a, in, a, in a in a moment. So, you know, you would think there would be a little bit more hesitancy, but really what it is is it's the European Food Safety Authority with their narrow guidelines. And look, there's a on on PSGRNZ at, at um Twitter, PSGRNZ, I've linked to these um, linked to the European decision and the US court decision. And I've also put a um, like ten demands that like four NGOs in in um, Europe have put out, talking about the problems that we see that need fixing, which includes looking at the full formulation, for example. And at the top of their demands is a precautionary principle, which of course New Zealand has, but somehow, um, and we can talk about New Zealand very. I can very happily talk about the problem with New Zealand um, before we get onto that. Um, actually, Paul, is there something I could just quickly articulate because you'll have farmers listening to this and then you'll have city people. And sometimes there's a disconnect here. Can I just, Sure. yeah. So glyphosate is a tool, right? So it's a, it's a technology, it's a formulation that gets sprayed. So when you're a farmer, you could, you could just, for example, so Europe is a little bit tighter on their regulation than New Zealand. So. Or Australia, actually, and so I, I think glyphosate might only often be only being able to spray be sprayed like twice a year on crops and not on food crops. So you know their regulations are quite strong. Whereas in Australia, for example, you know you can spray glyphosate and its formulation on before before seeding out a new arable crop or a wheat crop or whatever. Um, but then you can actually spray over it just before harvest.
0: They call that a pulse or something, don't they? Uh, spray pulse or something. Anyway. Yeah.
1: They, well, it's, desica- it's called known as desiccation to dry it down, all that sort of stuff. So, okay. you know, so, so farmers, I don't have a problem personally, Paul, if farmers were just using glyphosate maybe only twice a year and they were spraying it out before planting their crops to get rid of the weeds.
0: Yeah. But I, this I is actually, spraying it before it's sent to be consumed. Is that what? Yeah. The- yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, and then you also you've got the idea of using it, for example, in national parks. I don't have a problem if they're swabbing gorse or swabbing, you know, big big weedy species individually, but I do have a problem if they're spraying glyphosate over large areas.
0: Yeah, sort of like aged orange.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so then again, it's the formulations because, of course, you know, glyphosate now is. Um, there's globally there are there's a website you can go to called weedscience.org, Ian Heap. And so globally glyphosate, there's fifty-eight different types of plants that are um they're they've got herbicidal resistance. They keep growing even if you spray glyphosate on it. And you'll see down the roadsides Agapanthus is one of those plants. Then you've got you know, but then glyphosate sprayed with other stuff to stop this herbicide resistance. So it's sprayed with met sulfur and methyl, for example, which has got 172 weed species that are resistant against
0: it. Oh, okay.
1: Or atrazine, which has got 87 weed species that are resistant. Or 2,4 D, which has got 43. Is atrazine species. the thing
0: that, that affects frogs?
1: Yep, evil as. Yeah. But we've got yeah. it, in, we're spraying it. The triazines, which atrazine is part of, you. Pretty much all our groundwater around our forestry areas—you find that. I crazy. just can't
0: believe we're so casual with this stuff. I mean, what do I know? But yeah, that um, that 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 precautionary principle just—it doesn't exist, does it? Really.
1: Well, it should exist, but we actually have government failure, and um, and so so yes, yeah, so you get that nuance. So so you know, for example, farmers should be able to use it, and so Jacqueline Roworth, you know, gets she gets her interviews, and everyone gets to talk to Jacqueline, but they but Jody doesn't actually, even though Jody. Uh,
0: the point it, you're making is the way they use it. There's there's kind of acceptable if you really wanted to argue it uses, but then then there's not <laughs>
1: exactly exactly and so an, an unacceptable use is down roadsides in in cities and towns and yeah. in parks
0: because that's or, where people walk around and bare feet and do things yeah, and kids yeah.
1: and I, but i live in a rural region that's like two k's one k from um a, a kindergarten and a school and they spray within 20 meters of each side of that kinder and school
0: you so it's, a, it's just for convenience that's really what it's for isn't it i mean it, it is this sort of work could be done manually, okay it's a lot more involves more people and it's more physical but that's and we
1: don't we don't have to have as neat right? we don't have to be as neat in english as as they pretend. is that
0: what is that like a it's like a um a cosmetic uh, sort of curational yeah. thing is it more than yeah. anything else?
1: Yeah, and with well, the main area that needs to be cleared are drains on roadside. So I, I hear them on that, but they actually we don't need it to be neat. We don't need it. I mean, the the, the vegetation management regulations have been the same since nineteen ninety seven. We can actually fix that and improve that. You know, and they can they can create different, like on corners they can create different road surfaces and there's so much that can be talked about. So NZTA is a, you know, massive user of glyphosate. But of oh, we-
0: them? Okay. Of course. Yeah, of course. yeah. But when we think about glyphosate, we think
1: everyone thinks about the farmers and we can't, you know, but but the, Tawaka Kotahi use huge amounts and, of course, they're always using it in a formulation with other chemicals like They're frequently using it in a formulation with other chemicals like methyl, which isn't even tested in our groundwater, you know. So this, you know, I mean, the the information I have that authorities are ignoring is is insane. So, you know, glyphosate was last risk assessed in New Zealand in the 1970s.
0: Okay, well, (laughs) I was still at school. Okay, that was a long time ago. Yeah. Um, why and, are we so and this seems to be a reoccurring thing and no matter what we look at we're, we're very light on on the way we do things like uh, um I, I don't know why we're so light I'm sure I, think, you...
1: I think traditionally our culture we did we wanted to protect farmers, but what's gradually i this is my suspicion is I suspect that as farmer lobbyists lobbying groups have become weaker, the chemical industry has moved into place, and China, for example. So so if you look at the WHO FAO who do the big global assessment of um, pesticides, remembering with Monsanto, Syngenta and Sheminova predominantly, and they never do look at this peer-reviewed literature, the last... country that did that was China. And who has, and of course, you know, glyphosate's been off patent for 20 years. So, so they're who, big manufacturers
0: they're, now, are they? And yeah. exporters, of course.
1: Yeah. yeah. So we are failing farmers and applicators. And what's really interesting is, um, you know that this 20 December 16th the date of the european decision to extend exactly one day later in the us through weird weird coincidence that the, that decision that you were talking about in the news poll Um, was that, you know, these three people, James Drager, Valerie Gunther and Dan Anderson, they were each awarded $61 million in actual damages, like damages for their hospital, the costs of their illness, all that horrible stuff. But they were given $500 million each in punitive damages.
0: Huge, huge um sum.
1: By jurors in this this is a state court so it can be a, a
0: yeah they, they, they say said in the story that the Supreme Court has a history of winding back yeah. those huge amounts yeah not not erasing them but winding them back yeah
1: yeah and so what was really interesting about this is these guys aren't pest farmers or pesticide applicators these are Gardeners, so this oh, okay. is
0: okay, yeah. So,
1: this is interesting. If you go on EPA's website, the EPA are busy selling glyphosate because you'll find a page on safe use for gardeners and gardeners, it's safe and it's fine, and just use it, it's safe and effective. Heard that one before? Hello, and um, and so you know, this is really interesting. And th- frankly, the EPA should know better, but because it chooses not to do a risk assessment, it doesn't know better. And I believe, I actually believe it's time for Alan Freeth, the CEO, the head of New Zealand. We're we're
0: talking New Zealand here, um, EPA, Environmental Protection Agency.
1: Yeah. So let's go back to this. So our NZ Environmental Protection Agency that are busy selling glyphosate for home gardeners, as I have a whole page on the safety of glyphosate, Um, I think, Alan, it's about time he stood down. He's ex-PG Wrightson. He has not shown any... Oh,
0: so another revolving door type.
1: Mm. Yep. He has shown no initiative on pesticides. We have pesticide mixtures in our fresh water. We have kept pesticides and fresh water out of government policy for 10 years, and I I co-authored a paper with Soil and Health Organisation and and PSGR on that in 2019. So the EPA have chosen not to look at the science. And so what what is kind of amazing is they're meant to keep an eye on the new evidence that to to see if something needs reassessment. So in 2015, remember they hadn't risk assessed it since the 1970s. In 2015, the International Agency for Research on Cancer said it's probably carcinogenic. So that was what was part of the whole push when the court cases in America, everyone went, oh you know, bone cancer. You know, multiple myeloma, Hodgkin's lymphoma. That's how it happened. I think now that was the cancer
0: mentioned in the most recent story was Hodgkin's yes. lymphoma. Yeah,
1: yeah, it was. It caused their cancer. It, there's little. There's not much detail on that. Seventeenth of December news. Yep. Yet. I've been trying to find it. So, so they put that out twenty fifteen, the year after New Zealand reviewed the evidence of the IARC, So the IARC look at published open literature, including white papers, New Zealand chose to just look at what Europe had looked at, which of course is the science supplied by the corporate industry. And they said it's perfectly fine. I then authored a major Green Party paper called Public Health Concern, which you can find on the on the internet, talking about how the New Zealand EPA absolutely failed because they just relied on industry data from Europe. Then the most important New Zealand paper was released in, in New Zealand in 2018 by really good scientists from the Centre for Public Health Research. You've probably never heard of them because their budget's peanuts, because they're not groovy like all the other medical researchers. Um, and they said, in, their, their paper's called, published in the New Zealand um, um, NZM. No. <laughs> oh. New Zealand Medical Journal. Yep. Um, Carcinogen- carcinogenicity of glyphosate. Why is New Zealand's EPA lost in the weeds? And they said that New Zealand EPA should reverse their dumb 2016 European-based report. Now the NZEPA utterly ignored these authoritative scientists, including professors, including one of the scientists that was on the um, in the IARC, on that IARC panel. So they they really knew that they knew that they knew their SH1T pool. Yep. And um, and anyway, so what is pretty crazy is that in 2021, I asked, you know. You know, this is after the $10.5 billion decision, you know, in the USA, $10.5 billion, 2020, 100,000 people. In 2021, I say to them, has the committee convened, because Has No Act requires you to consider new information. So has the subcommittee convened to consider new information? And they said no. Oh. No. You've got IARC, you've got... All these billions of dollars being, you know, and the biggest thing, the biggest thing about the court process that's really important people need to understand is that goes into the discovery process and discovery turns up all the dark corners that corporations don't really want you looking at. Hmm. And there was a very important dark corner that every farmer in New Zealand needs to know about because that was how dermal exposure, you don't just wash it off. It actually hangs around in the epithelial layer. And so what happens with these farmers? They might only use glyphosate once a week or once a month, but the glyphosate sort of stays there and doses them.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah.
1: And And what
0: does that do? Yeah, what does that do?
1: Then you've got the long-term chronic exposure, which they pretend you don't have, but they knew about it because of their own Dermal studies. And then when you look at a bunch of scientific literature, the minute farmers go to answer their mobile phone, go to hang on to the steering wheel, they go to eat their lunch, they're taking their gloves off. And automatically, so um, Dr. Mariel Watts, who's a long-term pesticide researcher, she looked at, she's looked at this and 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 so we know that that while they say good practice is you'll be safe actually exposures to herbicides when you're using it is actually normal because you're going to take your gloves off to answer the phone. or yep,
0: yep. Yeah. People it's always normal. let their guard down at some point. Yep. Um, so, um, and we're coming up on time. So what the, the New Zealand experience is kind of outsourcing what other jurisdictions do and what sounds like a kind of a lazy way of doing it. You don't have to go there with the lobby groups. You don't have to talk too much about the science. All you need to say is, well, if they're doing it, why wouldn't we doing do it? It kind of is the impression that, that
1: Yep. Look think- to be honest, if we turn around and followed European best practice and we got it that would make that would I think that would make it us unlikely to spray it down our roadsides. Okay. Unlikely, oh yeah, as a start, right. Yep, yep. And it would probably stop us spraying it on food. So we're animal
0: worse. Animal oh food.
1: yeah, we're we're worse. We're We're, we're always
0: a- better at being worse.
1: So I've always recommended we follow European example, but we're we're finding out in the last three years that Europe's, it's less democratic than they, we want Europe to be, but Europe is still best practice. So New Zealand, for example, has a has the strongest formulation of glyphosate in the world, and we adopted that before anyone else, 600 um, grams per, per yeah, litre of yeah, glyphosate. Yeah. And then Australia followed us, but I don't think anyone else has followed. So we we, we, are, we are one of the weakest jurisdictions in the world, and because we so heavily spray down roadsides, we're a really bad example. Um, and I just quickly on PSGR... Um, dot org dot nz I've, I've got a video that people can show their local counsellors to help them understand how bad the new zealand epa environmental protection authority has been at looking at the complex mixture science and and even looking at the problems with all these other mixtures and formulations and um and you know so it's it's quite a bad situation
0: and rural cancer rates would be a bit of a an alarm bell wouldn't yeah. uh, that's well, not hard to to drill down into no,
1: it? and so what you do, and so of course you like horticulture. So, so if you're a hort industry, you'll use about ten times the pesticides you will if you're dry land. So, hopefully, most you know um, sheep and beef cattle, dairy farmers, they'll only use a bit of glyphosate to spot, spot spray for a while. A lot of dairy farms were spraying out like fifteen percent of their paddocks, you know, every three years and rotating the sprays and doing a lot more spraying than I think they're doing now um, but I could be incorrect and and they were spraying down their 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 grass and letting stock come on like a week later and I think that's tightened up on that and also whether they're people selling like um, lucerne alfalfa, and selling animal feed that's been sprayed out, sprayed with glyphosate. I think there's a lot more transparency required around that. So have sort of changed outside. Like we don't really know that's happening, but it is, you know.
0: Yeah, okay, yeah. So, so
1: some small things have changed, but... Um, it's really, you know, the hot guys are received and the arable, I think the arable, like, you know, your onion farmers and your your carrot farmers and those guys also, they're really at risk from from because I I think they use a lot more pesticide sprays. Um, but and hot really. But we in if New Zealand, if we actually could talk about these problems a lot more, we could actually it would help us set aside the science for. You know, technology, robotic technology. Um, you know, and improving, um, and as well as there's electrosial, there's robotics. There's um, there's other, and then water tech. Um, and we would be able to, you know, because this is really cool interdisciplinary work. You've got the robotics, then you've got the sensor tech to identify all this stuff, then you've got the mechanics of how do you get rid of that weed. And so this is work that's been drastically underfunded in New Zealand. So Europe, Europe because they've been tighter on their regs, they've moved f- more quickly into new innovation spaces. So our farmers have been let down because they're more likely to get sick from their dermal exposures, but we don't have the tech that we should be developing here.
0: Why are we always the ones that go into these things with the most enthusiasm? That always seems to be the way. We, we, there's something about the way we do things in this country that we're like all in, you know, well, as my- if we're the geniuses
1: yeah well this is and this is it i I think most people understand for example new zealand is a small country so they could bring in mobile phones and see how as a as an oecd you know nation we adopted how how quickly so we're a really good case study for new tech you know and so that and then just recently collins has been saying oh we're 20 years behind biotech and it's like well actually collins show me how we're 20 years behind because we've spent more money on biotech per capita than i think any other country we're a tiny country unless spending millions on biotech um so yeah. you know and and we look at you know um the the the, the cell towers everywhere we're not doing the science of the monitoring just like we're not monitoring glyphosate in our rivers we're not monitoring fluoride in our No
0: rivers. and then there's um 1080 and you know the list goes patterns, on and on
1: these patterns repeat and of mRNA. course this all, this all adds up you know like mm. this all adds up to overwhelming exposures and yet so when is when is the Productivity Commissioner going to turn around and look at the health status of us and the science on environmental exposures and our diet and say, oh, there's no way that, he, that, that Kiwis could actually be really healthy and happy if all this other stuff around us that our ancestors didn't have, you know, mm. if they're exposed to that. And I think there's there's massive issues for Maori because the government, by not doing the monitoring they're they playing pretend on on um honoring maori and, and, yeah. and protecting fresh water they're really playing pretend on all that equity kerfuffle bullshit because they're not excuse me because no, they're, right. mm-hmm. they're not looking at um at, at what mixtures of chemicals do no, they
0: a, they only want to look like they look like they look like they're doing things
1: yeah because yes, they want it. to legitimate more technology because that's what industry and, loves. and
0: that just gets in the way so we'll, and, yeah yeah.
1: And industry has the money to go to Wellington to, to, to produce a beautiful PowerPoint to, to be mates with the management consultancies that bring in the policy. Jodie Brunning, you know, the researcher <laughs> in the Bay of Plenty, doesn't she's, have the money.
0: She's to annoying go
1: to Wellington and do all that.
0: Yeah, no, I get it. All right, well, um, let's see what happens there. But if you know, if, if people are getting cancer from this, it's a no brainer.
1: Yeah, look, I've got, a, I've got um, a colleague who's an oncologist and she swears that um, runners along roads, she sees a surprising amount of runners along roads. Wow. And you think about if they've oh. sprayed glyphosate, because they don't declare it, you no. don't know until it dries down over a week later. You could be jogging every day along there. Your wife could be pushing the baby in the push car. No yeah. one knows.
0: Yeah. Dodie, thanks for coming on again. Thank you very much. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio.